0: Hey, welcome to Grace Online. My name's Josh. I'm the lead pastor of Grace Free Church. I'm pumped that you're on here and I'm believing God's got something awesome for you right here, right now. I'm excited to see how he's going to use this service in your life. And I also want you to know that if you are part of Grace Online and our online location, you are of A part of Grace Free Church, we're here to serve you. We have an amazing team that would love to serve you and your family in any way we can. If you're interested in learning more about Grace Free Church or the many programs we have to add value to your life and help you grow in your relationship with God, please don't hesitate to reach out. And by the way, if you're watching this on YouTube, jump over to gracefreechurch.live to get the full Grace Free online experience. On this page, you're gonna find links to learn more about the kids programming. We have an amazing online kids location. Just click the, the kids link and it'll take you to an absolutely incredible online experience for your kids. Don't forget to hit the connect link. The connect link will allow you to kind of give us just a little bit of information about you so that you don't miss out on any of the really amazing things we have going on at Grace Free Church. Through that connect link, it's it's the main way we communicate with you to let you know what's going on, changes in our ministry, new groups, exciting kids programs, fun things like our amazing Christmas Eve or Easter programs. You just want to be connected with us, so hit the connect button and don't miss out on anything. We're about to get started with our worship service and there's going to be some singing. We'll have an incredible message for you following the singing and and some some really cool stuff to end it up to end up the service. I really hope you stick through this whole service. I'm believing God's got something amazing for you and I'm excited you're here. Let's worship together.
1: The storm that surrounds me. Just one word, the darkness has to retreat. Just one touch, I feel the presence of heaven. Just one touch. My eyes were open to see My heart can't help but believe There's nothing that our God can't do There's not a mountain that He can't move Oh, praise the name that makes a way There's nothing that our God can't do Oh, just one word You heal what's broken inside not a mountain that he can move oh praise the. chains, I'm a prisoner no more. My shame was a ransom, faithfully poor. He canceled my debt and he called Though heaven had lost
0: praying. Let's just get right into this wrap in this series. Dear God, we thank you so much. We need you. We don't need me. Uh, We don't need more of ourselves. We just need you. Um, And so we gather here together to to listen for your voice, and I, I pray that you just encourage those who need encouragement, that you would strengthen those who need strength, that ultimately each one of us would hear what you have for us. Just take me right out of the equation and show us more of yourself this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. This message is called The Power of Encouragement. It's insanely practical, and eventually we'll get to like eight um, really important things, lessons about Encouragement, So it's a little different than maybe like how normally I speak, but it's so important to understand in our lives the power of encouragement. I think when we start to understand the power of encouragement and we try to be a more encouraging person, when you're talking about practical impact on your life, I don't think it gets better than this. I don't know why you come here, like, I don't know why you rolled in here this morning. Maybe it's because you just, like, you want to worship God. Maybe it's because things have been a little rocky in your life circumstances. And so this morning, it may not be, like, some big inspiring message, but the practicality of becoming more of a person who encourages will have a drastic impact in your life and your relationships, drastic impact. Impact at your place of work, whatever you do, wherever you go, it changes so much. Words have a lot of power. We know that. Our experiences teach us that that whole rhyme that we shout in anger at some neighborhood kid, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Experience, when we're honest with ourselves, we know that that's a bunch of garbage. <laughs> Words actually have a lot of power. In fact, some of the most uh, traumatic things you've been through might have been triggered by what somebody has said to you. Some of the baggage that's affecting your relationships right now is garbage you heard growing up. Like, like, I know that we want to be tough about it (laughs) and put on a good front. But the truth is, not, not only words are powerful, and not only our experiences have taught us that, but also Scripture teaches us that. Like, in James chapter 3, it's talking about the power of the tongue and the words we speak. We don't have time to get into it the whole way, but like it, in that passage, James compares our tongue, what we say, to a bit placed in a horse's mouth. It's a small instrument, a small thing, but it has... The power to control, to turn the beast right or left. It goes on and it draws a comparison to a ship and its rudder. The rudder is a small part of a ship, but it has the power to steer it into all kinds of trouble and out of all kinds of trouble and get it to its destination. James goes on and says that the words we speak, your tongue is like a spark, it could burn the whole place down. Unfortunately, some of you have experienced that in life. You've had some stuff burned down. Maybe your relationship right now is burning down and it's tied to the words we use. That's why I'm also very cautious about nicknames. This is not love nicknames. Nicknames, I think, uh, when I was in college, they called me Otter. And my senior year, one of my friends, Dave, played on the soccer team together. We were sweet mates. Like so we like lived together for four years. He said, Otter man, I got a really embarrassing question for you. I said, What is it, Dave man? What do you got? He's like, I love you, you know that, right? I'm like, yeah. He's like, what's your first name? <laughs> uh, I I lost it. I I know you have one, but we've been calling you Otter. I'm always careful about nicknames. I give out a lot of nicknames. I love baseball. I coach the little kids. I think it's fun to always come up with fun nicknames. I always ask them to make sure that they like the nickname. Don't use a nickname for somebody, uh, especially somebody you like, if you haven't checked with them to make sure that the nickname's cool with them. I've heard some crazy ones. and It's always interesting to me how you end up with a nickname. In high school, I had this... Uh, baseball coach, it's an old school baseball coach. He called me Mel because there was a famous outfielder named Mel. And then all of a sudden that changed to Marlene, Marlene, Melvin. Next thing you know, I'm like, How, why are people calling me like Melvin? I, I saw this on the internet. There was this woman whose maiden name was Fuzzy. And uh, Fussy, sorry, with like two S's. And uh, she married a guy with the last name Armand. And her nickname became Fuzzy Armpit. what's crazy about it is, even after they divorced, the nickname stuck. (laughs) How about that? You, You probably don't like the dude very much. You just train wreck relationship. You go your separate ways, but all your friends still call you Fuzzy Armpit. Nicknames can be kind of crazy. They sometimes can define who we are or say something about what we're like. There's this one really interesting nickname in the Bible that God uses consistently in Scripture in reference to this one character. The nickname is Barnabas, and the guy's real name was Joseph. He was a Levite. That means that he was somebody really important in the community. Everybody looked up to him. He was a man of position and power and probably wealth, too. We get introduced to him in Acts chapter 4. In verse 36, and I'll just read that brief introduction since we'll be spending some time talking about this dude this morning. It says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, that's like by the Mediterranean Sea, Um, so he probably ate really awesome food. Man, I'm hungry. Still with me? (laughs) It's gonna be hangry soon. Um, Who the apostles called Barnabas, and just so you don't miss the point, Like, God was like, I don't want any further research needed. There's some parentheses and the definition of what that name means right there. God's like, don't miss it. This dude's nickname means son of encouragement. He was that encouraging. He had that kind of effect on people around him. It wasn't just what he said, though. It was what he did, too. And I think that's where some of the hang-up comes from us. So lesson number one is encouragement is about what you say, but it's also about how you live. you got to put both sides of that together. You see, it goes on and it says, he sold the field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Barnabas was so encouraging, it defined him. But it wasn't just about what he spoke into people's lives. It was how he treated people. And I wonder if somehow we miss fire when it comes to encouragement. As Some of us maybe use lots of words. This is me, by the way. You're like, we know you use a lot of words. You need to use less words, especially on a Sunday morning. Uh, some of us, we use a lot of words But it just becomes white noise because our actions don't back it up. Maybe we wonder why our encouragement doesn't have an effect with our significant other anymore. It's because maybe we're saying all the right things, but how we're treating them, how we're serving them, how we're living for them isn't backing it up. On the other hand, some of us are very good with doing stuff and very bad with communicating. (laughs) So we do all the right stuff and we can serve people and that's great and good, but we never put words to the encouragement and we wonder why they're not picking up what we're laying down, why it's not connecting or having the impact. You see, the first thing I want us to understand as we kind of like dive in and look at what being an encouraging person and using encouraging words means and does to us is that it's not just about what you say. It's also about what you do. And if you're really good at doing stuff, it's time to add words. And if you're really good at saying stuff, it's time to add the actions to back it up. Barnabas was firing on all cylinders. He wasn't missing a beat. When it came to showing the people he was around and in community with what was most important, Barnabas was right there at the front, so much so that God highlights the nickname of the dude. And that's lesson number two. Lesson number two from Barnabas is that encouragement defines people. And it, it changes your circumstances and experiences. Y'all have negative people in your life, right? Don't look at the person next to you. For crying out loud, eyes straight ahead. You know what it's like, though. Because we all, we all experience somewhere. Maybe it's a boss. Maybe it's an employee. Maybe it's a... <laughs> somebody way more important and way closer to home for us. Maybe it's an in-law, I don't know what that's like. My in-laws are awesome and they watch online. So, (laughs) I I can't relate to you if your issue is with your (laughs) in-laws. Love you guys. Um, So, but you know like critical people, you don't wanna be around them. They just suck the energy right out of the room. But on the other hand, somebody who's encouraging, That's the person we keep finding ourselves going to for advice, looking to for inspiration. That's the person that we leave that time spent with them going, I don't know what the deal is, but every time I hang out with that dude or that girl, I feel better about life. You see, encouragement, it defines you, it defines people, and it changes the experience in the room. Barnabas, for the early church, was a game changer. His encouraging attitude, it didn't just affect his family and the people he loved most. It was so good, it affected people who were watching from afar. They saw the words he, they heard the words he would say. They knew the nickname and then they watched it in action and it defined who he was and other people. And it just has this effect. Encouragement builds up when the negativity just tears it all down. I'm sure that Barnabas' example for the early church, it built up inspiration, it built up belief, it built up trust, it built up the following, it built up the attitude, all heading in the right direction because encouraging words and attitudes and action, they always build, if you're looking to build a healthy relationship, if you're looking to restart and get this thing going in the right direction, if you want to build a business, whatever you are looking to build, encouragement is a great place to start. But I want to jump into Acts chapter 11 because in the end of Acts chapter 11, we really see some stuff from this guy that that I've learned so much about encouragement and, and I just wanna be transparent. There are times in my life I can be really encouraging and then there's times in my life I can be really critical. Probably one of those times is gonna happen at one o'clock today. So I'm gonna to try to stay encouraging, go birds. But I'm worried too. Barnabas, and we get more about the story of Barnabas in Acts chapter 11, there's some cool stuff going on. Um, and there's been persecution that has been affecting the church, man. Things have been really tough. For those who had been following Jesus at this part of the story, talk about persecution. And I'm not talking like persecution, like somebody posted something on the internet you didn't like. I mean, people were dying. They'd witnessed Stephen be the first martyr at the hands of this guy named Saul who had then come to follow Jesus through this miraculous circumstance by himself. But we get to the story in 11 chapter 19. It says, now those who had been scattered by persecution when it broke out, when Stephen was killed, they traveled. In other words, they scattered all over the place. And some of them, I'm skipping some verses here. You can go back and check it out later. Ended up at Antioch and started speaking about who this Jesus was to the Greeks. So, so far, there's been a lot of communication with the Jewish people in Jerusalem and, and surrounding areas. Now... Persecution breaks out and God uses everything for good. Greeks are finding out that God loves them and they're hearing the good news about who Jesus is. And the Lord's hand was with them, it says, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. In verse 22, the story picks up and says, news of this reached the church in Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas. When you need somebody, God sends an encourager. He sent Barnabas to Antioch. There's nobody better in a difficult moment than someone who knows how to encourage. When it feels like things are falling apart, there's nobody better than someone who knows how to encourage, to have close to you. God sent Barnabas one of the least surprising picks ever in a draft. And Barnabas arrives and saw the grace of God had done, and he was glad and encouraged them. I'm gonna, I'm gonna come back to some, I just wanna read this part here. He encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas does this really crazy thing, because Saul, who had been killing Christians, started to follow Jesus, and the, the, the disciples were scared to death of him. He had, in Acts chapter 9, it tells this story. Um, Ananias had been with Saul and kind of confirmed what God was doing in his life, and Saul wanted to go to Jerusalem to hang out and learn from the disciples and those who walked with Jesus, and they were like, nah, we're good. <laughs> They were like, we don't trust this dude. Like, we heard about his story with God, that's great, but um, we're not gonna hang out. We don't feel safe. So you have saw here, this guy God had called, this drastic turnaround, this big leap from a traumatic, devastating, broken, banged up, rough past. Horrific at times. This guy had done some terrible things and he's trying to follow Jesus and God wants to use him to 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 reach all the gentiles of the world but the disciples are giving him the stiff arm keeping him from his purpose because they're fearful. That makes what happens next by Barnabas huge. You see it says here in verse 25 then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. He's like I'm not waiting for this guy, I'm going to go see him. <laughs> I'm going to go find him. I'm going to go encourage him. I'm going to go help him. I'm going to go pull him out of isolation. Maybe he needs a reminder that he is in his past. That that was the old him. Maybe he needs a reminder of what grace looks like, about what God wants to do. So it says here, Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him with him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church. And taught great numbers of people together. The disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. We get our definition of the term we use for who we are from this moment. There's some huge lessons here about encouragement. Encouraging people stand in the gap. Encouragers Stand in the gap of who you once were and who you're becoming. Encouragers stand in the gap of your painful past and your purpose. We, we have some incredible examples of that around here. Ryan Fosnok is our campus pastor in Tremont. And when that whole deal started and we started to explore what it looks like to launch a campus, it is because Ryan, who is one of the most encouraging people you will ever meet, stood in the gap for his team and this town that he loved so much. Encouraging people, they stand in the gap. Rick is our congregational care pastor. He's got the gift of encouragement, man. It just, he can't even help himself. It just. Bleeds out of him is what God has done and gifted him with. And he stands in the gap for people that are hurting in our community, for people that need prayer. He stands in the gap. You see, people who are encouragers, they stand in the gap of what once was and what will be. They stand in the gap of who you were and who God's making you to be. Encouragers stand in the gap of your past and your purpose. We all need more encouragers in our life, if we are going to become who God wants us to become, if we are going to step into our purpose and realize the incredible thing that God has put us on this planet to do and to be, it takes having encouragers standing in the gap for us. Paul would step into his purpose. He wasn't there yet. It would take him some time. From the point when God got his attention to when he was used by the Holy Spirit to pen a whole lot of this New Testament, some of it penned from prison, it would take some time. And it would not be possible without Barnabas, the encourager, standing in the gap for him. The other thing encouragement does is Man, it stands out big and bright in times of trouble when things are hard. It is one of the quickest and easiest ways to make a difference in somebody's life. In, in, in dark, troubling times, when things are going south, falling apart, nothing stands out like someone who is encouraging. Encouraging. That's so why we need more of it. It's not lost on me that some of you don't hear much of it. I try to take every opportunity I have when I'm speaking in front of people, whether it's here or whether it's at some gig somewhere or conference or whatever, no matter who the audience is, I try to always remember that there are people out there who have not heard an encouraging word in a really long time. When I'm talking to students, I know there are kids in that audience who have never heard the words, I'm proud of you, who have never had somebody look at them and said, you know what I like about you? This is what I like about you. You know what you're good at? This is what you're good at. I see you have a purpose. You don't even see it yet. Because in dark times, when things are difficult, it's encouragement that wins the day. Encouraging people, they see the good and they're glad about it. They know how to celebrate with people around them. You have people in your life that can't see the good. It's a sad reality of our world, but there are people that you maybe live with that you go to work with. No matter how good you are, no matter what good you do, they will never see it, they will never acknowledge it, it'll never come up. They're the wrong kind of people to spend a lot of time with, by the way. But then you also have people, and this may be worse, they see the good, but they're not happy about it. They see the good and jealousy creeps in, resentment, they covet maybe some good stuff that's been happening to you, also not great for you to be spending a lot of time with those kind of people. The best kind of people, encouragers, they see good and they're glad about it. They know how to celebrate with you. It's not a competition. Their success does not mean your defeat. They know how to celebrate. Sometimes we just gotta change how we look at people and circumstances. We gotta know it's okay to see good in other people's lives, to see good in people that frustrate us and to still be glad that that good is happening to them. Real encouraging people have this knack. They can pull the good out of someone other people only see bad in. They can pull the good And call it out in a circumstance that others only see the negative in. I want to be more like that. Encouraging people, they motivate hearts. He was glad and he encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with their hearts. Here's another little. So critical people can change behavior But that change is not genuine. It never lasts. And what is left after the change is gone is resentment. See, critical people, they maybe even want what's right or good. They want to see change. They want to see somebody be better. They just think that to get that change, if they apply enough pressure to the outward things that you're doing, you'll, you'll change them. So they criticize all the different things. Like, you're not doing this right, and you're not doing that right. And put the toilet seat down when you're done. And, you know, like, that that food was too whatever. You know, it's just like, bam, 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 bam. And what they're trying to do, they may not acknowledge it. They're trying to make change. They just think that garbage change is good change. (laughs) They think that if they can change the outside, then they've accomplished their purpose. They haven't. You can change somebody from the outside, but if you never change their heart, the change will never last. When we criticize people, we're trying to change the outside without changing the heart. And all that we're really creating is resentment. It builds up. Now, we're all capable of creating resentment in relationships. And if you're sitting here and you're like, feeling pretty bad about life because things have gotten away from you and now like you have some resentment built up towards that person or maybe you know they kind of have some resentment built up towards you i just want you to know like that's reversible through intention and encouragement that does not mean your relationship will always be broken it will continue to head down that negative path until one of you finally flushes it. With intention and encouragement, you can replace resentment with real heart change. See, that's what encouragement does. It doesn't change from the outside in, it changes from the inside out. That's why Barnabas knew The real issue is what you're doing with your hearts. Let me encourage you to stay close to the Lord with your hearts. Heart change leads to real change, leads to lasting change, good change. You sick of hearing about encouragement yet? Because I'm not done. (laughs) Encouragement motivates the hearts. And here's the last thing. Encouragement, being an encouraging person, brings the best out of others. It promotes greatness. It helps them step into their purpose. We don't have time to get into the whole story this morning, but you can read about Barnabas and his relationship with Paul. and. Kind of my favorite place is in Acts chapter 13. We don't have time to flip there, but let me just real quickly break it down. Like Paul and Barnabas spend all this year, time together where Barnabas is mentoring Paul. He's teaching Paul how to follow Jesus. He's encouraging him. He's helping him leave his past behind and step into his future. He's helping him embrace his purpose, which would be to God's voice to the Gentiles, you're here, because God used this relationship to bring the good news of a God who loves you and sent his son for you to us. That whole time Barnabas is mentoring and doing ministry with Paul and probably taking the lead in a lot of it, but in Acts chapter 13 something really cool happens. Paul kind of rises to the top and Barnabas takes the back seat to help Paul step into his purpose. They're both called to deal with this circumstance. I don't have time to get into it. You can read it in Acts chapter 13. It was kind of this this crazy circumstance. God sent Barnabas and Paul and in that moment and dealing in that circumstance, Paul rises up and takes the lead and Barnabas settles in behind the scenes, releasing Paul to do all that God had accomplished him to do. How incredible is that? When you are an encourager, you are bringing out the best in the people around you. When you choose to set your criticism aside and embrace encouraging words, you are helping them be great and all that God has called them to be. You're helping them embrace and step into and live in their purpose. I want to be that kind of person. I want to surround myself with those kind of people. I want our church to be known as an encouraging church, an encouraging voice in a community that could use a little more encouragement and a little more help stepping into what God has for them. I got two things to land you with. If you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're not sure what you believe, you know you belong here, even if you don't believe, and we care about you, and this is a great and safe place for you to explore faith and figure out if this Jesus is for real. You can check out here for this one. Because those of you who follow Jesus, this isn't just a suggestion or a good idea because there's eight things that are awesome about being an encourager. This is a command. In 1 Thessalonians 5, and verse 11, it says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. If you love Jesus, it's not optional. You don't have a choice. It says, I put you in this place, in these relationships, in this space for a reason and i am telling you and calling you to be an encouragement to those around you no so simple two sides to the coin the words we use and the actions we take no excuses commands be an encouragement to the people around you now Real quick. Maybe you're thinking that would be nice. It could really use some encouragement or encouraging person. You haven't experienced that in any relationships. Your parents didn't give it to you. People didn't. You just haven't experienced it a lot. I want you to know that we, you may not have experienced it here, but it was our desire for this to be a place. That encourages you, that encourages your friends. But even when the people around you fail, you need to know that ultimately God is an encourager. And his relationship with you will be an encouragement to you. See, it says this in Romans 15:5. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude and mind towards one another that Christ Jesus has. Can I just say that's my prayer? I want us all to leave here and be more encouraging people. But my real prayer is that in the depths of your soul, in the deepest corners of your heart, that you would experience God as your encouragement. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your love for us. and You know, when we really know you, it is so encouraging to know that even with all the junk we have in our lives, all the mistakes of our past, all the brokenness, all the pain, all the whatever, that you love us, that you like us, that you are for us. So encouraging that you know us better than anybody on this planet knows us, and yet you still love us. I pray that we would be better at encouraging one another. And I also pray that our real encouragement would be centered in your love and your words to us. We ask all this in Jesus' name, amen.
3: Good morning Grace family and friends. We are so glad you have joined us to worship at our online campus. I want to take a moment and talk a bit about why we as a church encourage giving. Did you know that giving is considered an act of worship? It's true. Paul addressed the Philippian church on this very thing. In Ephesians four eighteen through 19, Paul states, I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God, Paul, of course, is referring to their offerings here. Paul continues, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Paul used these gifts to further the mission of spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. And just like Paul, our mission at Grace Free Church is to share this good news throughout Schuylkill County. We want you to be a part of this mission as well. By partnering with us, we can reach the people of Schuylkill County. In fact. We can't do it without you. You may be thinking, how how do I partner with Grace Free Church? Well, one way is through giving. We made this partnership process very simple. In fact, we have several methods to assist you in joining this mission. You can mail your gift to the church, you can text your gift to 570-528-2060, or you can give online by clicking the Give Online button on this page. The Give Online button also has a recurring giving option, which is a great way to schedule your gift giving. We appreciate you and are excited to see what God has in store for this church.
1: I love your voice, you have led me through the fire, darkest night, you are close like no other, I've known you as a father. Till I met you I was an orphan, now you called me a citizen of hell.